It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Throws, and yes! Touchdown! Did he get it? Right, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Jason Walker with you here on a Monday. Welcome back from the weekend. Uh, interesting weekend it was. Uh, Utah State football. We had uh, Mountain Crest girls soccer bringing home some championship hardware. The 4A football playoffs on Friday. So we'll update you on all of that. Uh, so uh, pretty crazy kind of weekend. A lot of things are different to cover. Utah Jazz. Oh, my gosh. What a start for the Utah Jazz. Did not see that coming. At uh, three wins against three really good teams to start off the season. And uh, we'll talk more about that next hour. Special guest from SLC Dunk will be joining us to share some thoughts uh, and get yours as well about the start of this Utah Jazz uh, season. But uh, if you want to weigh in on any of those topics, whether it be the Jazz, the uh, Utah State Aggies, uh, high school football, Mountain Crest girls soccer, the Full Court Press text line is open, 435-339-0321. If you want to chime in, if you want to call in, we'll take your phone calls as well. 435-752-1069 to call out into the studio and uh, weigh in on the topics of the day. But Jason, uh, let's start with Utah State football. Uh, The team made the trip to Wyoming, knew it was going to be tough. Uh, Before the season even began, uh, I know you and I kind of split. We were different on the Colorado State-Wyoming uh, how those games back-to-back would go. But both of us felt that there would be a split there on that two-game road trip. Uh, you picked Colorado State as the potential loss. I picked Wyoming. Um, but uh, it doesn't matter either way. We both knew that Wyoming was going to be a tough place to play for Utah State even before the season got underway and uh, certainly proved to be the case. And it didn't help that you got a four-string quarterback trying to lead the team and a series of guys, uh, other guys who got hurt, but leading up to the game and during the game, it was it was a challenging effort for Utah State. But um, uh, uh, effort shouldn't be the word that I use. It was a challenging situation. I did like the effort that we saw, considering the circumstances. But uh, it was it was tough to get things going for USU Saturday. Yeah, considering the circumstances, you know, it's a lot like Colorado State, where I kind of threw out the. Uh some of the ins and outs because, well, like, can I really analyze this team when they're in such a crazy situation? It's like, we think they're going to get back a little healthier this week. So it's like, okay, just kind of isolate this. Just like we isolated the call, or at least I isolated the Colorado State game. We're okay. They won. Just kind of put this one away. It's like when you win ugly, it's just like, all right, move on from that and try and take what you can move forward. And there's a little bit of this in that. Um, there are some things you should take away. Um, for instance, the run game did not do very well. And that's something that's largely isolated from a lot of these injuries. Um, the, the parts of the run game, 
I mean, nobody's really injured there. I think uh, one of the backup offensive linemen was injured, but that's one of your backups. Um, and so that didn't do very well. Um, wide receivers weren't very good. You had one in, you know, Nine Eye Davis went down in the middle of the game. So there's there's parts of this that I can analyze and take away from. Again, the the defense I felt they did good for as well for as long as they could. Yeah. Uh, and then injuries and just getting absolutely worn down by Wyoming eventually took its toll. Um, although kind of one of the big takeaways is that when I went back and looked at it, and I broke down some of the stats and I broke down, all right, where where did this game go wrong? This was a lot like the they're the Weber State and Alabama games, not to the same drastic scale. Of those two, where they're getting blown out and not doing anything on offense. But, like, no run game, no deep passing game. Defense does well and eventually breaks because they're on the field for so long and facing a tough opponent. So, it's like, if there's one takeaway, it's that this looks a little too much like some of the previous. Now, there's there's good excuses for why some of that is. For instance, no deep passing game. Let's say fourth string quarterback. So I can kind of excuse that. No run game, that is a little concerning. Especially with some of the schemes Wyoming was running, if they pop up again, you know, Wyoming ran some good counters to some of the stuff that Wyoming does. So it, it's concerning in some ways, but excusable in others. Yeah, it, that's, you know, I understood, and I think we, we, we expected that there would be some challenges in the passing game. Four-string quarterback, first real reps with the team came in live situations for a half the previous week. And so really only one week of, of practice time with the first-team offense. And so it, it, we, we all knew that for Utah State to have a chance at Wyoming, they'd need to give take some of that pressure off of Davenport and have a, a solid running game. And outside of one series, the the offensive line blocking just wasn't very effective. The running wasn't explosive. There were no running away from uh, uh, from defenders, uh, and it didn't seem like there was much creativity either in trying to find different ways to get the run game going for USU. So it was it was frustrating, and and I. Maybe Wyoming understanding, hey, we got a, they got a fourth-string quarterback. We know they're going to try to pound the rock and take pressure off of him. So we don't have to do much creative in the secondary because we'll just get him off, off target and off speed with the pressure that we give up front. And I think that's what we saw by and large on Saturday. Yeah, and, they, you know, like the, and the one thing they did to take away – some of the versatility of Utah State's run game because something they've been able to do is run the quarterback a lot. Well, a lot of what they did sometimes is they'd be blitzing, or at least kind of, kind of blitzing, either an outside linebacker or sometimes a safety, where that player's job was to sprint up the field and make sure the quarterback hands the ball off, or if he does keep the ball, he runs inside. And the problem is the way they're doing that kind of read option or RPO action, whatever you want to call it, is you're supposed to leave the defensive end unblocked. And then quarterback makes a decision based off what the defensive end does. And, you know, if the defensive end crashes with the running back, then he sprints outside, you get a run, and you got space. But when they're running that blitz, basically the outside linebacker safety is keeping contained, so the defensive end is unblocked. 
And that outside linebacker, you might also call it a striker in some cases, where it's kind of a hybrid, he's also mostly unblocked. So what do you do? So they ran into that a lot of times. And I think of the 15 or so times that Wyoming ran that kind of um, coverage, I think Utah State averaged like two yards per play, I think, something like that. They had like two decent plays out of 15 or so times facing that defensive look. So and, and it wasn't just that scheme. The other part of it is that Wyoming's defensive ends were just absolutely dominating Utah State. They were disciplined, and they were able to make plays. Obviously, their interior defensive linemen weren't shabby either. So Utah's offensive line just got beat the heck up by Wyoming's defensive front, both schematically and just one-on-one matchups. A couple of texts coming through. If you want to weigh in, love to hear from you. 435-339-0321. Uh, 5338 texting in. The referee is just part of the field, signed Jamal Williams. Did Jamal Williams, like, juke somebody because of a referee? <laughs> uh, I'm not familiar with that reference. I did not watch Jamal Williams play this weekend. So. I did not watch the Detroit Lions. Sorry. <laughs> Someone will have to <laughs> fill me in on what that means. Uh, 4781, why are you starting with USU football? We should be starting with the best team in the NBA, the Utah Jazz. <laughs> Who needs Wenbayama? I'm so glad we got rid of Mitchell for Sexton and Markinen. Uh, we'll go into greater detail about the Jazz next hour. Part of it is because we schedule our guest for the second hour. That's that's why we're waiting on the Jazz. We'll get to it. We we'll, we'll get to it. It is exciting. Yeah, ran some numbers for you. We'll we'll take a look at it. Uh, nine three one five. I believe if we are a healthy team, Coop will give ninety five percent chances of us great win over all the teams left to play. Okay, so the translation I think. <laughs> Get your Urim and Thummim out? Oh, there was a previous text. Uh, there, there, the only reason we did not win on Saturday is because the injury bug has bitten us. Bye week should help. That's true. Uh, and I think basically the, the follow-up text there is if we have a, a, a healthy Cooper Lega, we should have a 90 for, 95% chance to win a lot of the other game teams uh, on the schedule. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't give 95% chance over San Jose State and Boise State, but I give them a chance to win those games, especially since San Jose State's at home. So, and I agree that injuries played a big part. I think if you have Cooper Lagaw, things are a lot different. Yeah. Because the passing game would have been at least a little more solid. Um, Davenport just missed some throws on some occasions. He's not accurate enough at this stage in his career. He's got a heck of an arm on him, but he's not able to really tighten that accuracy. You know, and, it, and timing was a little off, too, yeah. on some, recognizing when somebody's open, when the play is developing, and when to deliver the throw was a little bit off. And, I mean, it's hard to be overly critical. I mean, this is a fourth-string true yeah. freshman who just had his first reps <laughs> this last, in the last week. So, considering the circumstances, okay, the future's pretty bright for this guy, but you know, I'm not... I think it would be a mistake for anybody to to lay this loss on his shoulders. Yeah, that's why, you know, when I was on a Monday cooldown, I was like, you know, I said, here, here's the things Davenport didn't do well. And I was like, and there's a reason he didn't do very well. <laughs> it's because the dude's a true freshman. He's the fourth stringer for a reason. Of course, this kind of thing is probably going to happen. It's a lot more understandable now than it was against Alabama and Weber State when Logan Bonner was doing it. You're like, what the heck? Because it was there, it's like he'd done it before. Bishop Dav- Davenport's never done it before at college. 
You know, he's been thrown against high school kids for his whole career up to this point. Now he's had to do it against the bigger and faster of the NCAA, and he can't do it right now because he's not supposed to be able to do it. Now, the, certainly the comparison is that Utah State went through this several years ago. Was it 2014 when Kent Myers came in as a fourth-string quarterback? And he uh, was on the road. It was at Hawaii. And Aggies won that game. In fact, he's, he was incredibly efficient. He was completing almost every pass that he threw. But the, the game plan was pared down in a way to maximize his skill set, what he could do, and it was all predicated on short passing. Screens, stuff across the, the middle, really fast, quick timing stuff. You didn't have to uh, have long developing plays and check down and make lots of reads. And it was a successful game plan for USU. Um, this, this time... You know, it wasn't quite so successful. Now, I think the other thing that would be difficult to compare is that that Hawaii defensive front at that time probably wasn't as stout as this Wyoming defensive front that we just saw this last Saturday. Yeah, definitely. It, they Wyoming sacked Utah State six times. Probably could were close to a couple more. Um, and you mentioned the quick passing. Like we saw Utah State try to do some of the quick passing. In fact, uh, PFF's numbers, which actually incomplete because I think they're missing two pass attempts in their numbers breakdown when I was looking it all up. But from what I had, I think they have 24 of 26 attempts charted. They said he was 14 of 14 on passes that traveled less than nine yards away from the line of scrimmage, which is pretty good. But he also went one of 10 on passes that went beyond that. So... That kind of goes to show like Davenport is definitely ready for some of those shorter passes. He's just not accurate enough. And that's why you, they tried at times to throw little quick hitch routes or the swing passes or different things like that. He can hit those, and his arm allows him to get it there quick and set up some yards after the catch. Um, but they started getting into third and longs, and he had to start actually slinging the ball down the field, and that didn't work. Yeah, yeah, first down efficiency was a challenge for Utah State, so they were regularly in third and long situations. Now, Davenport and Peasley attempted the exact same number of passes. They both attempted 26 passes. Davenport threw for 104, Peasley for 199. And I think one of the biggest differences of, of Peasley's success over Davenport, the use of the tight end. Like they used their tight ends regularly, and they regularly beat the Aggies in how they ran their routes and provided great targets for their quarterback. Yeah, several times they were able to just go sit down in the zone, and I don't know how Utah State lost track of you know like a six foot five tight end. You'd think they'd be easy to find rumbling down the field, uh, but they had just several times they're just wide open. It's like what's going on? I know the USU tried to go to the tight end. Uh, Sturzer had one pass. He was targeted another time on a late drive that he was wide open uh, and had that completed. They were, they had some momentum. Maybe they get down and get another, at least a field goal on the board. But um, yeah, It could have been a lead-taking drive. I think it, it could have been was, a big difference maker. I think it was 20-14 to 14 at that point, and they'd driven all the way from like the 8-yard line to the 45. But Davenport was under pressure, and he had to throw it long and pretty difficult route it was like you know i don't know if, if it was the design route but it's kind of like a post route down the field which is 
one of the hardest throws to make, especially under pressure, especially as a true freshman. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's, uh, like I said earlier, that's why Wyoming did very well, was get him sped up, get him uncomfortable, off target, off time, and uh, they just really made it tough. Yeah. But I think in the end, you know, I, I was saying this all week for as long as we were on the show, which is only like three days, I guess. But every time it came up, keys to the game, you know, what do we need to do to beat Wyoming? And what did I say, Eric? said Utah State has to run the ball. You know, when you said you would rather Bishop throw for 150 yards or Calvin Tyler run for 150, I said I want Calvin Tyler to run for 150 because it means they would have run the ball effectively. But they didn't. And, you know, running the ball effectively has been the key to, you know, it was the two wins against, you know, Air Force and Colorado State. It was running the ball. When they were doing good against BYU, it was running the ball. And they weren't able to do it against Wyoming, so they lost. As a team, 113 yards for Utah State. Wyoming had two guys that each ran for more than that. Yeah. Uh, A couple more texts coming through on our full court press text line, 5980. Uh, Run game not getting going would be a bit by Wyoming stacking the box and saying QB4 beat us, right? That's what I would have done if I'm Wyoming. They didn't even necessarily stack the box a ton. They usually had six or at least seven in the box because um, Utah State was spreading them out with the three wide receiver sets. But they also would bring that safety line. Like I said, they, the defensive line just won. Uh, I'm sure there are some instances where they, they stacked the box, but just when I was looking at the formations, I didn't see or remember any cases where Wyoming brought eight into the box. It was usually... Even numbers in terms of blockers and defenders. Wyoming was just better. And Utah State couldn't block. Uh, 5879. Uh, first text was referring to a, a message sent in last Tuesday saying if we get Coop back, we'll score 30 plus and win. Mark my words. <laughs> uh, they, they didn't, unfortunately, get Cooper back in time. Uh, a couple more texts, though. Uh, as soon as I saw Bishop go out there, the wind fell out of my sails. Uh, and then ESPN has given the Aggies the win for the next two games. So worst case, we'll finish 5-7. and seven. So the big worry now needs to be the San Jose State game. Yeah, at this point, you know, we've had this stretch of games. Which, all right, this is the biggest game, and this is the biggest game. Well, we can kind of take a couple weeks off because Hawaii and New Mexico, in a sense, are do-or-die games for bowl eligibility but that focus for you know, bowl eligibility is going to shift towards San Jose State because we are pretty darn sure they're going to beat Hawaii and New Mexico. Uh, they should. Should. But again, I think they're going to get some But guys. we thought they were supposed to roll Weber State yeah. and beat UNLV <laughs> before the season. Yeah, but I think if, if they get healthy, we've seen the growth of this team since those games. So I think there's some confidence that they'll be able to beat uh, New Mexico and Hawaii. And again, I think Weber State's better than both of those teams so, <laughs> and UNLV. So New um, Mexico, for reference, they lost at home against Fresno State, 41 to nine, and Hawaii lost at Colorado State, 17 to 13. Which losing to Colorado State's bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, Colorado State had Millen back. 
as their quarterback. So a little more experienced QB for them. But yeah, the Aggies should be able to get past New Mexico and Hawaii. And that game against uh, San Jose State looms pretty large. Yeah. But of course, Utah State better not overlook either of those teams. Because if they do, this is a team that cannot afford to ever overlook anybody. And so they have to get it into their heads that we have to fight tooth and claw for every little win. And so they better come out and absolutely blast those two guys. Uh, 5879, can I also mention how Air Force did not help us out by losing to Boise State? Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, that I have to give credit to Boise State defensively. Like They had Air Force for negative one rushing yards for a good chunk of that first half. That's impressive. Yeah, so there's a couple teams that have just shut down Air Force. Air Force is supposed to be the cream of the crop, and, or at least, at least one of the teams. I know I think Boise State was picked to finish first, then... Air Force right behind him. For a hot man, it looked, looked like Air Force was going to be the one team, and now two losses. Yeah, Boise or, is emerging as the top team out of the Mountain West. There's three losses, Air Force, because they lost to Wyoming, Utah State, Utah State, and Boise State now. Yeah. Uh, quick text from 9315. Uh, has anyone ever looked up how many fourth-string quarterbacks in the last five years in the USU situation um, have a winning record? Uh, zero, because I think... In the last five years? In the last five years, only one fourth-string quarterback has ever started. You have to go further back to find that Kent Myers game, and the Aggies won that game at Hawaii, and he was a fourth-string quarterback. How many other fourth-string quarterbacks around college football? Yeah, I don't know that. Oh, number. was he asking about everyone? I thought he was talking about Utah State. That is unfortunately something that's hard for me to look up because the databases I have, there's a, there's a limit to the kinds of things I can look up. Um, and 9 through and 5, he does confirm. He, he meant all of college football, so I just misinterpreted that. Um, yeah, it's something that it's, it's just too hard for me to look up. I know there's some organizations that may have that kind of data sitting around, but I don't have access to it. I would I would guess that the percentage is pretty low. <laughs> Most teams never get to their fourth-string yeah. quarterback unwillingly. It's uh, Yeah, it's a pretty drastic situation. And, of course, Utah State found themselves in a drastic situation in Laramie. Like, like I said, there are a lot of seasons where Utah State only has three players throw the ball. Sometimes only two quarterbacks that ever see the field, let alone getting to your third stringer, let alone having your fourth stringer ever step on the field in any situation. Now, I brought this up last week in the, the stat that blew my mind, that the number of players who have thrown a pass for Utah State at seven, the highest in since 2014, however many years that is, 18 years, something like that. It doesn't happen. Teams don't have that many players throw the ball. It's the one quarterback... Maybe their backup comes in. Those who see injuries might have a third guy throw the ball. Or maybe throw in a fifth one if they were on a trick play. Right. But it's just such a weird situation Utah State's in that it's probably not happened too often. Uh, continue to get your reactions to what happened over the weekend. A lot of different things from Region 11 high school football to the Mountain Crest girls soccer team winning the state championship to the Utah Jazz off to a hot start. 435-339-0321 if you want to weigh in. 
Fall is in the air and it's getting colder. Make sure your vehicle is well maintained. Valvoline Instant Oil Change in Logan across from Angie's can help. As the weather turns colder, your car needs more babying and an oil change is easy. They'll change your oil and also check other fluid levels and replace your air filters if needed. The best thing, you can stay in your car while their trained professionals service your vehicle. Valvoline Instant Oil Change, 695 North Main, open seven days a week. Hey, it's Jackson with Mountain West Motor. We love the Cache Valley. Thank you for all of your support since we opened in February. Every one of our rigs is built for your adventure. We invite you to stop by at 615 North Main when thinking about a new rig. At Mountain West Motor, we have Ford Broncos, Ram TRXs, but also keep in mind we have great price point rigs starting at 20 k Check our website for current inventory and pricing at mwmotor.com. And for news and events, follow us on Instagram at mwmotor.co. Mountain West Motor, built for your adventure. It's game time, and you're in the locker room ready to take the field. But suddenly, you notice a player you don't recognize. He's wearing your team's jersey, and he even knows your name. But you've never seen him before now. Would you trust the stranger with your team's playbook? That's exactly how phishing scams work. And the first quarter of 2022 saw the highest volume of phishing attacks ever recorded. Protect your business with the Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lesolson.com. Advanced Heating and AC, the two-time gold medal winner in Best in Utah. They're teaming up with Carrier Heating and Cooling. Carrier provides you the best furnace units available. And now's the best time to buy a new unit before the weather turns cash valley cold. Financing options are available. Turn to the experts at Advanced Heating and Carrier. Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning, 752-7272. Or stop by their showroom west of DI. And online at advancedheating-ac.com. We're not comfortable until you are Advanced Heating and Air. Aegis Home Health and Hospice loves helping the people they serve. Aegis is a home health and hospice organization that lives by core values of character, experience, and trust. Every day, Aegis' goal is to help you with whatever your health care needs are and to do it wherever you need us to. Aegis, A-E-G-I-S, Aegis Home Health and Hospice. Call 723-9000 or find them at myagis.com. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cache Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Valvoline Instant Oil Change is a great place to go to get your car serviced. They're located right there across from Angie's at 695 North Main in Logan. They've got the Valvoline Synthetic and Valvoline Max Life Oil. That's the engine oil that your vehicle loves. So go check it out. Go get your vehicle taken care of there. Any day of the week, they're open seven days a week. Uh, Utah State football on the uh, losing side of their Bridgers battle. For the rifle, the trophy, losing 28-14 to 14, uh, at, in Laramie on, uh, on Saturday night. And it, just, it was a rough game for USU to get rolling. Um, opportunities that were, were missed. And that was a game where you needed to be able to hit on every opportunity available. And when you have some missed opportunities, it just compounds how difficult it can be to win in a place like that. Yeah, I know the one everyone kind of remembers is Gervin Hall getting his mitts on uh, what would have been an interception and 
probably a pick six, given the momentum and uh, the angle and where everyone kind of was on the play, which I think would have given Utah State a, uh, I think a 21-17 lead at the time. Uh, Wyoming goes on to kick a field goal that drive. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that was that one was kind of rough. And, uh, again, the other one was, you know, Davenport missing Josh Sturzer. That's, you know, again, another missed opportunity. Um, so there's certainly a few of those opportunities. I, f- I feel like just the biggest missed opportunity is not being able to run the ball. I, I think certainly a positive would be that it was – a relatively clean game for Utah State. They really only had the one penalty, which was on a kickoff return. Um, now they there was the one interception that was thrown, but um, but relatively clean football for Utah State, which is that's definitely a step in the right direction compared to where things have been for USU, because it could have been compounded even worse if uh, if this was a a team like we've seen most of the year. With so many penalties stacked against them, I think the team did a, a, a fair job of trying not to hurt themselves in those other ways with uh, with a really raw, young, inexperienced starting quarterback. Yeah, they didn't hurt themselves in that you know they didn't get the penalties. They just hurt themselves by not executing. So it was a good, clean game. It was just not a very good game by them. <laughs> True. And you mentioned the interception. I tell you what, I am sick and tired of with this team. I am sick and tired of watching Justin McGriff not go after the freaking ball. Like, I'm sorry. I, I, I try not to be super negative against specific players, but I am getting <laughs> kind of sick of it. Uh, we. I was told before fall camp even got started, the day before camp got started by the offensive coordinator, Anthony Tucker, Justin McGriff will be as good as he wants to be. He has the the physical talent and ability. He has the the raw assets. It's can he be emotionally and, and mentally engaged to uh, to compete at the highest level? And, and we've seen it at times. Like he led the team earlier this season at a hundred yard game. So we know he has that potential. We know he has it in him, but we have also seen a lot of times if the ball's not delivered exactly right into his breadbasket, then he struggles to bring it in or fight for it, or if it looks like it may be going to the other team, play defense and knock it down. It feels like the only time where he's really shown that I will get this ball is when he's standing in the end zone because there's been – Probably four, just probably just about every touchdown he's had, has generally been an impressive catch. And then I will get this ball, and use my entire catch radius to do so. But these, you know, possession catches—the oh, it's third and eight, and I got to make this catch. No, it's thrown here. You know, it's not the greatest catch, but or not not the easiest catch. But he can't haul it in, or you know, we're down the field. Oh, I guess it's going to go incomplete. So. I'm not going to chase all. You know, I'm not going to chase it super hard. Even though players, you know, of his, yeah, you mentioned his skill set and his athleticism and size. The special players of that height, they just go get the ball. You know, Randy Moss. How many of his highlight catches were? And I know that this. I'm jumping from Justin McGriff to like 
possibly greatest of all time receiver, but like <laughs> just to use examples of great receivers, you know, they go get passes that weren't very well thrown. And I guess maybe to go a little lower, Devin Tompkins last year. How many of those passes of Logan Bonner's should have been intercepted and Tompkins caught them anyway? Yeah. Like there were a lot of poorly thrown passes from Bonner big, that Tompkins came down with. Big pass radius, or excuse me, catch radius yeah. for Devin Tompkins because he would go up and he would get it. It's a very fine catch radius for McGriff. It has to be right on the money or he doesn't haul it in. Yeah, and so it's unfortunate. I mean, here's a guy that if he had that same level of of just that mentality, this would be an NFL prospect, no questions asked. Yeah, and it's frustrating because you don't want to doubt a guy's you know will to you know try and play. He he clearly cares. I have never met a person who plays sports who just doesn't care and doesn't try. But there just seems to be this just extra gear almost mentally speaking not 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 physically speaking this extra gear mentally speaking of they just go and do things and it just seems to be an unconscious gift where they will go out and do it whatever it takes where others just fall short not consciously they're not giving up not consciously giving up they just they're not it, quite it, they're just it, not as dialed in it just doesn't register that there is an extra thing they can do in that moment when things are going a million miles an hour. Uh, it has been refreshing seeing Terrell Vaughn emerge as a more reliable target and more reliable player for Utah State in the receiving core. Uh, I know Brian Cobbs was targeted you know, quite a bit, but defenses are keying in on that. And so having other options is really, really important for this Utah State offense. And Vaughn is emerging as that other reliable target. Yeah, he has been really nice. and They're using him in the short game and in – just as a slot receiver, and he's done very well in that role. So it's nice. The average is like five, five and a half catches since Van Leeuwen went out. He's basically doing what I thought Van Leeuwen was going to do, but unfortunately Kyle got hurt. So Yes. Uh, more on this. Love to continue to get your uh, thoughts. A couple of texts coming through. We'll get to those on the other side of this timeout here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Want to set yourself apart from the competition? The Leadership MBA at Utah State University will help you lead companies and drive change in your organization. You can attend in person in Logan on Thursday evenings or take an interactive online class. Complete your MBA in as little as a year. Apply before November 1st to be considered for a January start. Contact the MBA office for a waiver of the $55 application fee. Learn more at utahstatemba.com. That's utahstatemba.com. What's more important than sleep? Granted, some things are, but not many. This is Ryan at My Mattress, and here we offer the best solution to better sleep, a better mattress. IntelliBed, the gel mattress, cradles your hips and shoulders while providing the best back support possible. Or come in and choose a Tempur-Pedic that boasts 93% of their owners love their bed. My Mattress, offering the best sleep possible by the South Walmart. Has inflation got you down? This is Zach with HSA Depot. Did you know you can save money by using your pre-tax income to buy qualifying medical supplies? Health savings and flex spending accounts can be used for more than just doctor visits and prescriptions. HSA Depot helps you conquer your health care by providing HSA and FSA eligible products, taking the guesswork out of the process. Come to HSA Depot next to Sally Beauty and see how much you can save. HSA Depot, five-star review. Wow, wow. 
Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat, the Allergy Clinic, and the Hearing Aid Center are now located in Providence and Cache Valley's newest and most up-to-date medical clinic located at 2245 North 400 East in North Logan, just south of Cache Valley Hospital. The entire staff and Dr. Benyon, Blotter, and Robinette look forward to helping you and your family at this state-of-the-art medical facility. Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat is now located in Providence and their new office at 2245 North 400 East in North Logan. Go to CacheValleyENT.com for details. Most insurance products, including Select Med, are accepted. Don't get caught without power after a windstorm or a major winter freeze. Golden Spike Electric offers Generac backup generators so you can be prepared and keep your home warm while avoiding frozen pipes. Golden Spike Electric is one of the largest Generac dealers around, so you know it'll be installed right. Whether you're a homeowner or or an electrician. Contact Golden Spike Electric to rest easy the next time the power goes out. Online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. They also service other models. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Taking your texts as well, 435-339-0321. Chime in and be a part of the program today. Recapping the weekend that was. A lot of things to recap. A busy weekend in sports between college, NBA, and high schools. Uh, Before we continue, though, getting to some of your texts that uh, have come in. And um, I can't, let's see. 5980. Can't remember if we read this one. Um, no, we did read that one. My mic's. Well, uh, there's a reason you turned my mic off. It's because I ran away to throw, <laughs> to throw something away. Yeah, we did read yours, 5980. So we'll go to the next one. 8968. I will agree the Aggies had a very clean penalty game, but they didn't have much for the team to celebrate over. Yeah, not a lot of uh, big plays. I don't know if that's what you meant, but. No big plays. That was another reason the offense couldn't get going. Um, and that's usually where the pass game comes in. It's usually you're getting your chunk plays out of the pass um, with, you know, a couple of big runs maybe. And Utah State just didn't have that. I, I mean, what was their longest pass of the game, like 13 yards? Uh, something in that neighborhood. Yeah. Now, I think they had a couple of those. I think McGriff might have caught a 14- or 16-yard pass, actually. McGriff think, did not record or, Excuse me, Cobbs. Cobbs yeah. had a 16-yard one. Um, Sturzer had a 13-yard one. I don't know if they had anything aside from that. Yeah, Cobb's longest was a 16-yarder. Tyler had a 15-yard catch. Okay, yeah. Sturzer had a 13-yard catch. And uh, Tyler had the longest play of the day, which is the 31-yard run. Uh, so there's your, you know, your one explosive play. Um, that, and that was something I you know, like wrote an entire article on early in the year. It was like, they're not getting explosive plays. And then they started getting them. And, again, this that's why in this game I – compared it to Weber State and Alabama, not as an extreme degree as those two games. But, I mean, look at it this way. You get one touchdown off of the, the muff punt. punt, which was a lot like what happened in Alabama, except they, you know, you know, um, they, they blocked a, a punt, blocked punt got time. it in good field position, just couldn't finish that. And if you take out the one random 62-yard drive, it almost is like the Wyoming game or like the Alabama game, except with a less potent offense on the other side of the field. To where just about all of your offense, you know, of production was almost confined to one big play. 
You know, if Weber State, all of their points were confined to one kick return. For Alabama, their one almost score came from a blocked punt. The difference here against Wyoming was, okay, they did get that one play that resulted in points, but then they did it on one more drive. Right. They were able to, to string together one offensive drive yeah. that went most of the length of the field. Yeah. As, as, aside from that, it has a lot of similarities to those two games. A couple more texts coming through. Um, this was uh, 9952. I said it last year, and again this year, McGriff has an attitude of being a number one but doesn't give the effort. I, I just think if there was a guy who who gave effort on every play, I think he's one that if he knows the play is not designed on his side of the field, then he doesn't go as hard. But if that, that's a guy who, if he wants to be the number one receiver in the Mountain West, he could be the number one receiver in the Mountain West. He could, let's just say, be the number one receiver for Utah State. He could be. Yeah, he has like, the skill set, the size. He has the talent. It's just you know, the desire to go up and get it and play hard on every down. Yeah, it's like, and I was like a lot of people when I saw that Utah State was recruiting the six foot six receiver out of JUCO. It's like, here we go. This is going to be the next, you know, the, the Jalen Greens, the I'm suddenly spacing on all the good possession receivers, the COC Mariners, and the, I'm forgetting the name of Jalen Green. He had the guy opposite him. They had the two receivers with Jordan Love in oh, 2018. Yeah. I'm, I'm forgetting the other guy's name uh, for some reason. But, the, you know, they had, you know, the Hunter Sharps and, and things. They were going to continue that with Justin McGriff. Turns out they didn't. Brian Cobbs, I guess, is the closest next. Actually, Cobbs is on pace to be one of a handful of Aggie receivers this century to have 65 catches and 800 yards. Of course, on pace for and actually getting that are two different yeah, things. that's true. Calvin Tyler's also on pace for 1,000 rushing yards. Uh, 9315, Justin is the most infuriating player, or most frustrating player, I should say, for USU in the last five years. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Uh, continuing on this topic, five eight seven nine. Do you think McGriff should have fought harder for that ball? Yeah. Yes. He should have. Like just all I mean, of us sitting in the conference room watching that play, we saw that, and I was like, "Yeah, McGriff should have fought for that ball because it's high, lofting ball." And guess which six foot six guy is in the vicinity? And guess who comes down with it? Like the five ten guy. I mean, he clearly loses it when he's looking over his shoulder and can't locate it. But he really didn't do much to, once he figured out where it was, to try to knock it away or knock it down. Prevent the opponent from getting it. Yeah. There, I, just, there wasn't an effort there to, to prevent the opponent from catching the ball. I don't feel like he should be losing the ball anyway. Uh, six five four three. When's the last time that the Mountain West had no ranked teams late in the season? Overall, this conference is very weak this year. That's something I could look up, but um, and maybe I will if I remember it. But uh, I, I don't, I don't know the last time. But it is unusual to not have a Mountain West team, if not in the top twenty-five, at least flirting with the top twenty-five. Yeah. And right now I'm looking at both polls, and I don't. Uh, Boise State got one vote in the coaches. So that, I mean, the way that they've made some changes 
and the way that they're playing right now, they may inch their way into the top 25 by the time this whole thing is said and done. Yeah, if they win out, maybe. The only issue is that they're not going to face anybody tough enough to give them the big jump. No. And so a lot of teams in front of them just have to lose. Because, uh, yeah, the current standings in the Mountain West, Boise State's 4-0 and in conference, 5-2 and overall, uh, with clearly the best record. Wyoming is 5-3 and overall. They're 3-1 and in conference play. Colorado State is 2-1, and 2-5. and uh, On the other side, just in the uh, west side, west division, Fresno State's the top team in, uh, well, San Jose State's the top team overall at 4-2. and they're 2-1. and one. Fresno State and San Diego State are also 2-1 and one in conference play. San Diego State's 4-3 and three overall. Fresno State 3-4. and four. And UNLV, which started off pretty hot, they've kind of cooled off. They're now 4-4 four and four overall. Yeah, so right now I'm going back. The, the reference I have right now is uh, just teams that have been ranked at all during the season, and I've made it back to 2015, and this... 2022 is the only season where nobody's been ranked at any point in the season. And I'm still going back. <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's a ways back. Going to be doing this it's for a minute. It's not normal. It's not normal. Um, 9315. I hope Justin listens to the show today so he can catch the drift. I, I, I don't... And I would hope I he doesn't uh, take it the wrong way because... Like I said, I don't want to hate on individual players. I'm not in the business of hating on them, but I am in the business of telling it how I see it. Right. No, it's. It, I think it's from the way we're we're presenting it, and I think the way that fans are voicing it too. It's like we know this guy has great potential. He has great skill, and he could do great things. He just needs to be engaged and dialed in. And if he does that, he's going to achieve great things for Utah State. He's going to come out of here with a with a great record and, and great stats that will be lauded and people will be proud of. Yeah, it's, it's like just it's frustrating because we know his potential and he's just he's not hitting it quite yet. It's like it's not Bi- consistently. It's like if Bishop Davenport in two or three years is still throwing wild throws everywhere. Like right now, we excuse it because he's young, but we see the tools. If he comes out and is just not doing what we feel like he should have been able to develop and do, then there's going to be some criticism. It's why there was criticism of Logan Bonner. We saw what he could do, and he's not doing it. We feel like we know what Justin McGriff can do, and he's not doing it. And that's the frustrating. When we're frustrating, frustrated about things, we talk about them. That's what we do. That's right. our job. And and that, that's what is the why a lot of people get upset and complain, because you see a potential that goes unmet. And that's what gets frustrating. You want to see it get back to there. Uh, all right, got to take another quick time out here in the full court press. More of your texts, more reactions to what happened over the weekend. Uh, we'll move on to some uh, cool high school stuff as well. We'll update you on the current standings for football and uh, what happened with football over the weekend as well. Some more championship hardware back in the Cache Valley where champions live. It's coming up next here on the full court press. 
The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs, with competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think young, drive young. Hi, this is Tyler. Recently, my father passed away, and White Pine provided the funeral services for our family. They were friendly, thoughtful, and attentive to every detail. You know, it isn't often that a loved one passes away, so it was very important to my family that everything be handled just right. Because my dad was loved by so many people, we had a lot of family and friends that traveled from out of town. I really appreciate how White Pine Funeral Services made sure everyone was comfortable and that the focus was where it needed to be, on my dad and my family. They really took care of us during this tender time. Are you a small business owner? Who's your bank? This is Bruce Rigby. I want to invite you to bank with us at Cash Valley Bank. We specialize in helping small business and we have great people. That's the Cash Valley Bank difference. Decisions made locally without all the red tape by people who care and know how to help small business. Cash Valley Bank, growing, expanding, and proud to have our roots firmly planted in Cash Valley. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. Elements has delicious lunch specials, two for $30, or the new soup, salad, and bread special for just $10 is tasty and quick. Elements' lunch menu is full of scrumptious items prepared with a personal touch. Wood-fired pizzas are an excellent choice that include barbecue chicken and the bee's knees. The fresh-battered halibut fish and chips with seasoned fries is always a hit. And don't forget the fan-favorite Munster Burger. Casual or professional, open Monday through Thursday, 11.30 to 8 p.m., and Friday and Saturday, 11.30 to 9 p.m. Visit TheElementsRestaurant.com for reservations today. Remember last October's huge snowstorm that destroyed trees all over Cache Valley? Bobby and his crew at Hall Tree Care were the most popular guys in town. Yeah, high five. Not saying that will happen again. However, I just looked at the forecast for winter and it calls for snow. Snow can wreak havoc in your overgrown trees and shrubs, which can wreak even more havoc in your home and vehicles. Call Hall Tree Care before winter gets here. 760-6587. Ask about their radio discount. That's H-U-L-L Tree Care. Following the local teams, it's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Ah, we've been talking about it, getting yourself ready for winter. Well, <laughs> the snow is here. So did you did you listen to what we said? Did you get your stuff at Napa Auto Parts? Like antifreeze, fuel stabilizer, ice melt, even those uh, heat storm tradesman infrared heaters to instantly warm you up in your in your uh, in your garage in your shop go check it out they've got it available right now at Napa Auto Parts a couple more texts coming through real quick before we move on to high school football and uh, football uh, 8968 uh, there's nothing to compare to that Weber State tobacco <laughs> I think it was meant to be fiasco it's got that good Weber State tobacco <laughs> 9952, not sure he can catch the drift either. <laughs> clever 9952. That was, that was a clever response for their text. Uh, 9315, uh, is football a Dr. Pepper commercial? Football? Is football? Football. Those are clever this year, by the way. They're my favorites when I'm watching the, the football on the telly. Uh, quickly, 
great win for Utah, not for Utah State, for Mountain Crest Girls Soccer. Uh, another championship for their girls' soccer program. And it's not just winning it, but how they won it, Jason. You've called some of their games here in these playoffs. What an impressive run for the Mustangs. Yeah, this is just a spectacular football team. Uh, went undefeated against 4A teams. I harped on that the entire broadcast. Some people might have got sick of me saying it. Uh, undefeated against 4A teams. Didn't allow a goal to a 4A team the entire year. I think they finished with like a 41-0 to goal ratio so yeah really good team that's impressive <laughs> that's one way to put so it so cool so just absolutely great team you know good in the attack spectacular in the defense so just they were they were gonna win it that's just <laughs> it was inevitable uh and then in high school football the uh region 11 teams involved in the 4a football playoffs on friday everybody was involved and it was a busy day. Games starting at 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 on our family of radio stations in places around the northern Utah and southern Utah. Uh, but Skyview, Ridgeline, and Mountain Crest all advance. Um, Bear, Bear River, Green Canyon, uh, and Logan going home. Uh, that Logan and Cedar game, though, what a tight game between those two teams back and forth. Uh, but Logan just never quite able to punch it through. They got some turnovers, but they couldn't capitalize on them. Unfortunately, Grizzlies are headed home. But the Skyview with a beatdown over Hurricane, 41-6. to uh, Ridgeline taking care of Pineview, 24 to nothing, And Mountain Crest in a rematch game from a game that happened just two weeks prior, uh, beating Bear River. This one was closer than the one just a few weeks ago. And I would suspect it to be as much when you're facing a familiar foe that you just saw two weeks ago some lessons learned but still mountain crest coming out on top 35 to 15 yeah overall i think it was a really good showing for region 11 i know a few teams lost but i mean you know logan close loss to cedar and you know the 8-9 matchup ridgeline 24-0 you know not really letting that one be super close um you know in a 5-12 matchup green canyon loses by five you know, Green That's Cane, true. Yeah, Green, yeah. Green Cane team that just struggled a lot of credit. They they came decently close to an upset, and then Skyview, you know, in a seven ten matchup, you know, closer to five twelve, they put the beat down on Hurricane. So uh, obviously they they did well there, and then obviously when you have a Region Eleven against Region Eleven, I can't really say <laughs> Region Eleven comes out good and bad on that one. Uh, that's true. But Mountain Crest obviously having a pretty decent game. So Ridgeline will host Snow Canyon Friday, and everybody else is on the road. Skyview's at number two, Desert Hills, and Mountain Crest on the road at number three, Dixie. Uh, so we'll have those games for you. We'll have video options to watch on Cash Valley Daily. We'll also have them on the radio with our family of radio stations. The Ridgeline game on 104.5 The Ranch. Skyview will be here on the fan Friday and uh, they're going to be at uh, at Desert Hills. And then Mountain Crest at Dixie, that'll be on the 107.7 KLZX. So multiple ways to follow these games as they uh, as these teams advance in the 4A football playoffs. Next week, semifinals are going to be down in Cedar City at SUU. Um, I still haven't heard is that where the 4A state championship is going to be. Yeah, I, I was just looking at it too, where it says to be announced. I'm like, uh, you haven't figured that out yet? Uh, that's a big thing to plan. I mean... They may be waiting to see who, if it's an all-region 11 or an all-region 10, that may have determined where they play the game. 
which kind of makes sense to me, to be honest. And is uh, what day of the week is that? Is that a Saturday or is it a Friday? Uh, eleven eleven. That uh, Friday. So they yeah maybe they try and play it up uh, up in the north. I don't know if Utah State's going to be around. Aggies are at Hawaii that weekend. So maybe, maybe. Uh, more on that and more about the Utah Jazz as well with a uh, representative from SLC Dunk joining the show. Stick around. That's coming up next on the Full Court Press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The NFL is a quarterback-driven league. Star quarterbacks get star treatment. And the league has amended multiple rules to encourage more passing. That's made an elite quarterback more of an advantage than ever before. But just because you have that elite quarterback doesn't mean you can cut corners on the rest of your roster. After seven weeks, the Buccaneers and Packers are a perfect example of why. The two NFC favorites have struggled to just a 3-4 and four record, respectively. The two teams have had their fair share of injuries, but when you look at the rosters, it's hard to blame Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers for their team's slow starts. Brady and Rodgers, still elite, so it's hard to count out the Packers and Bucks. But if the two NFC contenders want to make a run at the Super Bowl, the rest of the roster need to make an impact, because right now, an elite quarterback can only cover up so many flaws. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. 